Amen. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Thank God for the preaching. That was a great message. Praise God. The Lord's fed my soul today. Amen. Thank God for all the messages that was preached last night and today as well. Truly, it's been a blessing to us, and we thank the Lord for it. Amen. It's been a long time since I've been here, but some familiar faces still here. Amen. And we praise the Lord for that. Amen. It's good to see Brother Jones. He's supposed to be with us in December. We'd had him scheduled several times, and then things had happened with all that's been going on around the country with sickness and Miss Sandra having some accidents, but they're supposed to be with us in December. So praise the Lord for his friendship and the impact that he has had on my life and on the life of my family as well as this church and its ministry in days gone by. Amen. But we appreciate the Lord and the goodness of God. It's been an honor, it's an honor to be invited and to be here. Thank you so much for the fine room, the basket. My wife was not able to come with me. She was planning to. We'd gone to South Carolina. We had my mother-in-law with us for a while. And she's 90 years old. and uh, She's having some complicated issues right now. And so she was not able to leave her. So I've got to go back south, Lord willing, in the morning. Uh, but I know she misses being here. But we thank you for the good meal today. And the hospitality is second to none. Appreciate the goodness of the Lord. I want you to take your Bible for just a moment for us uh, this evening and go to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms in chapter number 45. Trying to find the mind of the Lord to preach is a difficult thing for me. I'm a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. And I don't live in an area like this as far as uh, good churches and preachers and meetings that you can just drive a little ways and attend. It's a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour drive from where I'm at to any church or church meeting that uh, would believe what we would believe and stand where we stand. And so, uh, you know, I don't get out a lot, and uh, I don't preach many things twice. And several reasons. Number one, I don't get out a lot. Number two, my notes don't make absolutely any sense to me after I've preached it one time. I pull them out and I think, this is, I'm going to preach this message. And I look at what I thought, that makes no sense at all to me. And so that's kind of where I'm at with it, amen. But uh, I'm glad, thank God, to be able to be here and appreciate, amen, again, the friendship of this church. I heard a story. There's a fellow in Tennessee. He got an idea. He's going to dig a hole to see what he could find. He dug a hole 20 foot deep. He could run across a copper wire. And so he wrote this big article and said because of what he discovered digging a hole 20 feet that the state of Tennessee 200 years ago had a, had a communication system. Well, as a fellow in Georgia felt kind of intimidated by it, so he thought he'd try the same thing. So he dug, didn't find nothing at 20 feet, dug on down to 30 feet, and sure enough, found him a copper wire. And he said, uh, wrote an article and said he'd come to the conclusion that uh, 300 years ago, the state of Georgia had a sophisticated communication system. Well, an old hillbilly from Kentucky heard about it, and he wasn't going to be outdone, so he started digging. Dug 20 feet, he didn't find a thing. Dug 30 feet, didn't find a thing. Dug 40 feet, wore out, didn't find a thing. So he just stopped digging and concluded that the state of Kentucky 400 years ago had already went wireless. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's something. 
Let's stand to our feet. Psalms chapter 45 tonight. It is good to be saved. Amen. Thank God for that preaching. Need you to follow along with me. We'll read these 17 verses. Try to be brief, but try to give you the burden of our heart. And uh, so you try to follow along. Notice what's being said in these verses, and we'll try to move as quickly as we can. Verse 1, Psalms 45, My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore God hath blessed thee forever. Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, with thy glory and thy majesty. And in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness. And thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of thy kingdom, the scepter of thy kingdom uh, is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments smell of myrrh and alloys and casa out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. King's daughters were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. And the daughter of Tyre shall be there with a gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is of wrought gold. She shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. The virgins, her companions that follow her, shall be brought unto thee. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. They shall enter into the king's palace. Instead of thy father shall be thy children, whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. You can be seated. Verse number one, the Bible said, My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I had made touching the king. My pen, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. These collection of psalms that are before us tonight are considered the prayer and the praise book of the nation of Israel. As you travel through the book of Psalms, it will transform your reading and transform the way you look at these poetic melodies if you will understand that while you travel through these books, you are walking down the road of human experience. Truth is revealed about every area of life through the circumstances that the people of God have passed through. As you read through the Psalms, you will hear the noise of battle. You will hear sounds of joy, yet you will hear the weeping of a broken heart. You will read about the fury of anger. You will see questions of doubt and expressions of dismay. 
you will hear the silence of a hushed heart in the sanctuary before God's presence. Moans of imprisonment, captivity are heard. The anguish and the affliction that sin brings in the life of an individual are all manifested through the Psalms as you read the inspiration and the penman writing down how he feels within his soul, how his mind is thinking, and how his heart is stirred. Love, hate, joy, sorrow, hope, fear, peace, strife, faith, and despair. Every human emotion, every human emotion is bursting out with melody and rhyme. It contains the vast storehouse of human experience as you travel through the pages of the book of Psalms. It is a book of praise, a book of poetry, a book of precept, a book of prophecy, a book about people, a book of principle, a book, yes, with problems and perplexities, yet passion and purpose. It is a book of prayer where the people of God have went through life and struggles and trials and difficulties and God has allowed them to pour their heart out unto us in melody and rhyme and in song. Whether we are looking back at history or looking up into the heavens, amen, or looking around at our problems in life, the heart of the poet blends with poetic word and a company of a musical instrument. Melody rings forth and bears his thoughts and the condition of his soul. I'm telling you, if you'll look at the book of Psalms and travel through it with those things running through your mind, God will let you see yourself, amen. As you read these verses and as God speaks to your heart about the situations and the difficulties and the struggles that you face in life. There's a word in this psalm that we would never use in our common conversation in life. It's found in verse number one and that word is the key word that I want to emphasize with the thought the Lord has dealt with our heart about tonight. My heart is indicting. Indicting. And that word basically means to be moved. It means to be stirred. It means to have something bubbling up or something going on within the bosom of your life. And I want to try if I can for just a moment tonight to preach with this thought in mind and that word before us on being moved, being moved by what matters. Being moved by what matters. The psalmist said, my heart is indicting, it's moved, it's stirred. A good matter. He didn't say in a good matter. He said, my heart is indicting a good matter being moved by what matters. We see in the opening of this psalm that it is a song of loves. It's about a marriage between two individuals. It was a song that was pinned down to be sung at a wedding. Most scholars would tell us that this psalm would have been sang or it would have been sung, if that's the right way of putting it grammatically. This song would have been performed at a wedding, most possibly in the king and the queen at their wedding day. 
even though every human being is distinctly different, there is one thing that everybody in the world has in common, and that is emotional expression. No matter where you go, you can go in a jungle. You can go in the far reaches of some area in our world and you will find a common denominator, amen, that is represented in those people's lives just like you and I. Makes no difference what color their skin is. Makes no difference what color, amen, uh, they are or what conversation they may speak. Their confirmation may be different. Their culture may be different. Everything about their life may be different, but they all share one thing in common. They cry. They smile. They laugh. They hurt. They grieve. Isn't that amazing? I was preaching at a prayer conference. Don't ask me how I got invited, but I was the night speaker at a prayer conference in Denver, Colorado, a number of years ago. Big uh, meeting there, and and everybody was a doctor, and I wouldn't even have made a good nurse. Amen. Big high church environment, you know, more, uh, you know, I'm from the South, the sophisticated singing, you know, classical stuff, and they got me preaching at night. I don't know if it was for a novel or what, but I got to preaching, you know, and they're low-key, you know, no rejoicing, no no noise pretty much, kind of straight-laced, and then I got to preaching about worship and about magnifying the Lord. I said, it makes no difference if you're in Denver, Colorado, or if you're in Michigan, or if you're in the deep south, amen. You look at one side of the field or the other side of the field, and they all act the same when somebody scores a touchdown. They all look the same. They all have the same expression. We just share that. And so things move us. Amen. Things happen in our life. The king here, amen, is represented in the first nine verses and the queen is represented in the latter verses. We understand that this is a magical psalm. It is a psalm that should offer instruction to us as well as it is messianic in verse six and seven. I'll not take time to go there, but I want us to be considerate tonight of the context of this entire psalm and think about what moves us. And does what move us, what stirs us, what does something for us, does it really matter? Does it have any meaning to it? Does it have any lasting ability? Amen. The matter at hand is love, and it's the love of a man for a woman. It is very easy for me to determine in your life what matters to you just in verse 1. And I I need to hurry. But it's very easy for us to consider verse 1 and come to a direct conclusion of what really matters to us. Notice what he said. My heart is indicting in a good matter. So what matters to you is what's in your heart. Not only what's in your heart, he said, I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. Not only what's in your heart, but what other people hear from you. That's what matters to you. What you talk about all the time with your peers and those around you. What you speak about, what you converse about, what your conversation revolves around. Amen. Is expressing what's in your heart. Not only what you hear, what's in your heart, but what you make happen. Here's what he says. 
I have made touching the king. I, he said, the things which I have made touching the king. In other words, he said, I have made this matter. Amen. Amen. If fishing is what matters to you, that's all you want to talk about. It's in your heart. I'm not picking on folks who fish. I fish. Amen. I'm just using that as an analogy. That's all you want to talk about. Amen. It's in your heart and your conversation revolves around it. And you're going to make that happen, aren't you? You're going to make plans. You're going to plug the boat up. You're going to get the bait. You're going to figure out where you're going to go. You're going to make that happen. You see, what matters to you is what you make happen and what you hasten to do. He said, amen, in the latter part of that, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. He said, I'm telling you what I'm about to talk to you about matters to me. And it moves me. And I'm going to tell you why it matters to me. It's in my heart, amen. Amen, it's what other people hear when I'm around them. Amen, it's what I hasten to do. It's what I make happen in my life. Amen. You have influence. You say, preacher, I'm a kid. I, you know, I don't nobody look up to me. I, I don't have any bearing on anyone's life. You have influence, and the most powerful influence that you have in your life is not those around you, but the influence you have over you. Amen. You are in control of what's in your heart. You are in control about what others hear around you. You are in control of what you make happen in your life. You are in control of what you hasten to do. And if you can wrap your world around what this psalmist has wrapped his world around that mattered to him and it could move you and it could stir you. You can influence your heart and your life, amen, to be stirred by something that's meaningful. So there's two things that the psalmist said that moved him, that mattered to him. The bridegroom and the bride. It's as simple as that. He said, I'm going to tell you what moves me as he pins this song. Amen. To be sung at the wedding of his king. Amen. I can imagine in my mind, amen, what it was like for him to sit down and start writing these words as his heart stirred within him. His king is about to marry. He's going to have a queen. Amen. And he says, I'm telling you, my heart is stirred. I am moved within my soul. And this really matters to me. And he begins to open up. Amen. This psalm with words about the bridegroom, amen. The bridegroom matters. Can I say as the songwriter said, amen. I don't know any better than Jesus tonight. Thank God. Thank God for the Lord Jesus. He is our bridegroom tonight, amen. And the psalmist begins to write about his bridegroom. The song of Solomon said he's altogether lovely, amen. Paul said he ought to be highly exalted because he's given a name, amen, which is above every name, thank God. And I'm asking you tonight, does the bridegroom stir you? Does the bridegroom move you? Are you stirred within your soul, amen, when you think about who Jesus is? 
In verse number two, he says, the bridegroom matters, his grace matters to me. He says, thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore, God hath blessed thee forever. I don't have time to read all these verses. You can read them, amen, again when you get home. But his grace matters. He speaks of the manhood of his grace. Isn't it amazing to think that God would condescend to this earth, amen, robe himself in flesh, walk among sinful men, be rejected of those men, and yet, amen, still knowing what would happen would come to this sin-cursed world. Amen. It's a mystery, but it's a great mystery. Amen. God was manifest in the flesh. Amen. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was at the beginning with God. And the Bible said the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is an amazing measure of the grace of God and the manhood of the grace of God. When Christ would come to this world and offer himself a sacrifice for the sins of mankind. Does that move you? Amen. Or if Tennessee's playing tomorrow, I've seen all the orange coming in the motel. But if you're going to be more excited, amen, watching Tennessee play tomorrow, or Georgia, or Kentucky, or whoever it is, if your heart is stirred, you get on the edge of your seat. If that matters to you more than this does, you've got a problem tonight. But I'm telling you tonight, thank God the bridegroom matters to me. And I'm moved by his grace. As the preacher was preaching, my heart was stirred when he told me about the mercy of God in his life. Amen. When he talked about God saving him tonight, that stirred my soul. I wasn't the one he saved at that time. He was just telling me what was in his heart. He was just letting us hear what was in his soul. He seen something happen in his life and he hastened to tell us, amen, that God in his mercy and grace reached out and saved. That stirred my heart. Amen. Thank God. There's something started bubbling up inside. Thank God. Amen. Talks about his lips. I can say to you tonight, the message of his grace mattered. Amen. Thank God for the story of the gospel. I'm anointed, he said, to preach the word of God, Jesus said. Amen. God's spirit was upon him. Amen. There's something about preaching. Amen. Amen. That just does something to you. So you sit down. Man of God stands behind the pulpit, opens up the word of God. Just an ordinary man, just like you are, eats the same kind of food. Amen. Has to have the same things in life to sustain his physical existence. He opens up the word of God. He begins to read verses that holy men of God moved by the spirit of God had pinned down and all of a sudden out of nowhere there's something gets on that man. Amen. It's hard to explain to him, brother. But I said there's something gets on him. He gets to preaching. Gets to high stepping. Amen. God moves on him. I'm telling you the message of the gospel rings out in power and souls are stirred. Lives are changed. And the Amen. The message of his grace, the manifestation of his grace. Thank God it's real. This is not a fairy tale tonight I'm talking about. Praise God, this is real. It is the manifestation of the sovereign, holy grace of Almighty God. And it matters, thank God. And it ought to move everybody in this building tonight. 
but come to where you're at. Reveal you're a sinner. Show you you're without God. And the bridegroom of heaven will reach out and draw you unto himself. Hallelujah. Thank God for the grace of God. The manifestation of that grace. the name of the Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. Every day the mercies of the God of heaven are renewed in our lives. Bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. That ought to matter to us tonight. That ought to matter to us tonight. It ought to move us, thank God. It ought to stir us within. Amen. Amen. The bridegroom, praise God, his grace matters. His glory matters. Amen. Back on all right now, amen. He said, gird on thy sword upon thy nose. Mighty, he said, with thy glory and thy majesty. Thank God the glory of our bridegroom matters, the glory of his might. Thank God I serve a Savior. Amen. Thank God that is powerful, that is strong. Amen. The world, amen, can't, can't change a sinner. Amen. The world can't transform a life. But God Almighty, through the bridegroom, has the power to take a thief on the cross, amen, and deliver his soul from sin and the power of iniquity and rescue him, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Men are moved by the power of God. As I was praying the other night, I, Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, when Isaiah cried out to the Lord, he said, oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down. And you read that chapter, he said, oh, Lord, if you'll come down, these mountains that's overwhelming us, you'll move them, they'll melt down. All these men that are in the way, God's power can move them, amen. I'm going to tell you why we're seeing nothing done in this day. The bridegroom don't matter to us anymore. But I'm telling you, if we could have revival tonight of who he is and what he's done for us, and it would move our souls, strengthen our faith. Thank God we could see the hand of God move again. If the bridegroom, amen, would move our heart. He's still on the throne. Men of might, men of power, men of renown, amen, have moved people. Speeches. I remember being in the fifth grade at Victor Elementary School as a boy in Greer, South Carolina, where I'm from. And I remember Miss Kennedy was our teacher, and she played a clip from an old reel of Adolf Hitler speaking. And as a young boy in the fifth grade, Brother Boyer, I couldn't understand a man. I couldn't understand a word that man was saying. And I'm telling you, I sit there in awe. 
at the authority and the satanic unction that was on that man. I mean, it, it moved me. I don't know how to explain it, but it moved me. Amen. Donald Trump, even though he's not our president tonight, would come somewhere in the state of Tennessee and they announced in 30 minutes that he was going to be speaking. There would be untold thousands of people gathering a moment of time. But days pass. Hours, days, months, years. Are you listening? And those men that moved others, they really didn't matter. And what I said about Adolf Hitler tonight, you hadn't thought about him all day, have you? Hadn't even considered it. Amen. But he moved a nation. Amen. But Jesus still matters tonight. Oh, those men had a lot of glory and a lot of majesty and affected a lot of people. Amen. Amen. But it's been over 2,000 years. That's a long time. Amen. That's a long time. And tonight, here we are. Amen. In Hammond, Tennessee, telling a story about a man, thank God, that lived over 2,000 years ago. And who he is and what he represents, amen, still moves men and still matters, thank God. His glory matters. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Verse after verse after verse I could read. We could talk about in these verses the glory of his might. We could talk about, amen, the glory that's manifested. The glory of his meekness, amen. All of that matters. His grace matters. You see, the bridegroom, his grace matters. The bridegroom, are you listening? His glory matters. The bridegroom tonight I moved because his government matters. Look in verse 5. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter, amen. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Amen. His government matters. I too. I get stirred up about the government. I got a politician in my church, amen. God help us. Amen. He's a good godly man. He directs our home to the Josh Calloway. Most of you know him, plays our piano, and he is our state representative. And the corruption that is in just the state house of Kentucky is mind-boggling. You know that there's corruption until you have connection with someone that is intertwined in the policies and legislation of laws and how corrupt and ungodly and wicked it is. And it does stir me sometimes, but an indignant way it does. Amen. But I'm telling you, amen, when I begin to think about the government of the bridegroom, amen, that has joined me to himself, it matters to me. You could preach this tonight, but in verse 5, he governs his adversaries. Thine heirs are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. Boy, that one verse right there could change America. 
Amen. If there was an authoritative man that would step in the White House uh, of this nation, amen, and say this is how it's going to be, and otherwise there's going to be blood in the streets, amen, I'm telling you things would change in this nation and around the world. But there is coming a day, amen, when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is going to sit, amen, on a throne. I preached out of Psalms a number of years ago on when the King is on Capitol Hill, amen. Amen. Thank God there's coming a day. I'm, I'm looking forward to the rapture. Don't misunderstand me. I'm looking forward to the trumpet sounding and us being called up together with our loved ones to meet the Lord in the air. But there is something that stirs within my soul when I think about the day, amen, when we come back with him, amen. Amen. This world hasn't seen the last of the church. We're leaving out of here, but we're coming back in an altogether different line. Amen. He's going to sit, stand on the Mount of Olives in a cleave of thunder. He'll spread those wounded hands out. And they'll say, where did you get these wounds? And he says, in the house of my friends. But that day he'll say, peace be unto you. And there'll be peace on this earth like this earth has never known before. And he is going to sit on a throne, thank God, and rule in righteousness. And thank God we will rule with him. That matters to me. A man lived down the road from us in our county. He was a paratrooper. Now I bird hunted with him a lot. And name was Abe. Kind of a short fellow, but pretty conditioned guy. He's an older man. He was in the paratroopers and he said, Preacher, he said, when I was in the paratroopers, they told us that we could whip any three ordinary men, any of them. He said, I never met an ordinary man in my life. I got whipped every time I got in a fight, he said. He said, that man lied to me. But he's a patriot. Love this nation. They elected Bill Clinton into the White House. Now, I'm not kidding you. He cried every day of his life for two solid weeks. I'm not exaggerating. Flew his flag and half staff right in the middle of the front yard. I don't know how long he did that. He was tore all the pieces. It didn't take me that long to get over it. But I'm going to tell you something. Those kind of things move us. But I'm telling you, in the realm and sight and view of eternity and the kingdom of heaven, they really don't matter, do they? that ought to cause each one of us, no matter what's going on in the world that we're living in, thank God to rise up each day of our life and let the bridegroom and who we are a part of matter to us and move our soul. Amen. He rules his adversary. He governs with, he governs his adversaries. Let me say verse 6, he governs with authority. Let me say verse 7, he governs with anointing. Amen. That's going to be preached. I don't have time. But his grace matters. His glory matters. His government matters. His greatness matters in verse 5 and 6. And his gladness matters in verse 7. Thank God for the joy that the preacher preached about today. His garments matter in verse 8. All that could be preached. Moved, stirred, overjoyed by what I make. What I'm in control of that matters to me. You are in control, young man, of what matters to you. 
Let me tell you about that elk I killed. I got pictures of it. Let me tell you about that deer I killed. Yeah. Let me tell you about, did y'all see the ball game? Did you see what happened in that fourth quarter? I mean, boy, y'all sitting there, man, laughing. And, and I mean, I, I remember, I remember sitting at the table with Brother Allen years and years ago in Sturgis, Kentucky. And I don't know what got to talking about fighting, but you ever got talking about boxing with Brother Allen, son? He stepped into another world. He said, I remember the thrill of Manila. He got to talking about it, son. And I mean, son. And then after he got through, he said, hey, man, me and the fellow was with us. We had to go in the motel and pray for three hours before we could get to church and get right with God. Amen. But things like that will move you. Things like that will matter to you, but you let it matter. You make it happen. It's in your heart. And I'm telling you, so you have control of that. You're in control of what matters. You'll get in that book, praise God, realize that there's a bridegroom, thank God, that the Lord sent to this earth, and you're the bride. Hallelujah, it'll matter to you. And it'll move you. Then the bride matters. We switch from the bridegroom to the bride. I gotta quit. Lord, I'm wore out. If the bridegroom is the Lord Jesus, we know the bride is the church of the Lord Jesus. Does the church matter to you tonight? Does the church move you? I'm going to be away from my church this Sunday. My pastor celebrating his 80th birthday. And I forget how many years him and Miss Norma has been married. And 50 years of being in the ministry. And I have the unusual privilege of serving the Lord with all of my children. All of my children are a member of my church. I have 13 grandchildren. All of them are in church. And they're all coming down to be there tomorrow. And they've asked us to stay over for Sunday. Brother Rain to be preaching. So we've committed to do that. And I'm telling you, even though I want to honor the man of God that God used in my life, there will be something in my soul that's tugging me. Amen, North Kentucky. Amen. Amen. I, I mean, I, I'm afraid they can do too good without me. They do. I watch and they singing and shouting and I'm not there. I said, that ain't right. That whole crowd's backslid. They ain't not on right with God. I think they do it. I think they fake it on purpose just to make me feel that way. Amen. You listening? The church should matter to us. You're a part of something that's unified through the blood of Jesus. Does the church move you? Amen. It don't have to be dead around here. It don't have to be ritualistic. Amen. It don't have to be just a form and a fashion. Amen. There can be an expectation when you enter into the house of God. We're believers. We believe the same thing. We're brethren. We're a body. We're a building. We are in a battle together, but we are the bride of the Son of God. Her admiration matters in verse 9. King's daughters were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of over. She's something, the church. Now I realize the church don't look much to the world. But her people are honorable. Her position in this world is honorable. Her possessions are honorable. They are precious, costly, excellent. Amen. What this church has today is more valuable than all the gold in all of the world. 
Amen. There's old fella used to go to youth meeting and camp meetings back 30 something years ago. He, some of his fingers was cut off. And he'd stay always, amen, always sit on the left hand side of the pulpit over there in the youth meetings and Pleasant View be packed out. And he'd stand up, had big old thick horn rim glasses. He'd stand up and say, I want to thank God I'm saved, preacher. Somebody headed somewhere and I don't have to take a back seat to nobody. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Amen. Her admiration matters. She's special. The world hates her. Hates everything about her. Don't you think for a minute that politicians are a friend to the grace of God? Because they're not. They tolerate us. And they manipulate us. And they con us, amen, to get what they want from us. But the church is despised by the world because we are a peculiar people. Amen. But I'm telling you, she is adored by the Lord. Amen. Amen. Her association matters. We associate with her message. Amen. Her attraction matters. We are beautiful to him. Amen. Because we belong to him. Amen. We have, thank God, a place in this world. The church is not, is not a social gathering place. It is a spiritual organism. You listen to me? That is alive. Amen. Are you listening to me? This, what we have in this building today collectively represented several churches without question. But where you will wake up and attend on Sunday morning, if it is a New Testament Bible-believing fundamental Baptist church, it is a living organism in a world that God sovereignly has put here to war against the stronghold of a wicked power. And she is adored by her bridegroom. Amen. She is loved by the Savior and we mean something to this world whether they realize it or not. And she ought to matter to you. She's more important than little league ball. Wednesday night's more important than little league ball. Amen. She's more important than family reunions. Decorating graves. Amen. She's more important than showers. Amen. And anything else you can add to it, grandpa's birthday or whatever it may be, I'm telling you the house of God, amen, is important. My daughter's expecting twins. Uh, we got two sets of twins in our family. Me and my wife, we never had twins on either side of our family. My oldest daughter had twin boys. And my youngest daughter this summer had twin boys. And my first daughter, she's expecting twin boys. And they had scheduled them babies to be delivered on Sunday morning. And I said, now that ain't right. I said, that's a problem. Well, you know, she's ready to, you know, she's wanting to have these babies now. You know how, I mean, she's ready to get, get this over with. And I said, you need to call the doctor and tell them we need to change that. We can't change that. I said, you can call them. I said, see what they'll do. Tell them, tell them say, your daddy's a pastor and the granddaddy to them two boys is a preacher. And he's got to be in the house of God on Sunday. And these are children. They'd be born in the world. I said, call the doctor. We're not calling the doctor. I had the old church man. So I called them. I said, look. I said, we got a problem. They changed it. 
They all still was mad, amen. But, but then she went into labor and had the babies, amen. That's a blessing. But I, I'm telling you what, the church is important. Does it move you? I'm going to tell you what. If you will come Sunday morning anticipating something, thirsting for something, hungry for something, excited about being in the house of God. Me and my wife, we pray in the study. She comes and helps me with my microphone, and, and we pray before every service and pray for kids that are lost in the church and folks that, amen, are sick and what have you. And we get in my study, and we bow and pray. We walk out into the side door and come into the church. And I'm telling you, the first note on the piano, I'm expecting something. I mean, I get aggravated when they come in the doors, you know, after this thing start up, you know, and people start coming in. They've been the water fountain. They're walking around. I mean, the first song, the first word, when, they come, when you come in the church house on the four, fourth or fifth word of amazing grace, that's a problem. I mean, amazing is the first word. I mean, what's that thing mean to you if you don't get the first word? And you know, thank God, you've been knowing all your life what time things are going to crank up. So leave out a little early. Be on the pew. Be ready. Amen. For the first word of the first song. And let it stir your heart. Amen. Anticipate something. Expect something. Amen. You know what a man finds? Listen to me. This is simple. But do you know what a man finds? What he's looking for. Not a thing else. Amen. And if you'll come looking for something at the house of God, God will feed you your soul. The man of God will preach his heart out to you and give you something for your life. Her attraction matters. Her adornment matters. Inward and outward verses 13 through 15. Inward and outward. It's, it's valuable. It's virtuous. Her attitude matters. Verse 15. With gladness and rejoicing shall she, shall they be brought they shall enter into the king's palace. I mean they're happy about it. Her advancement matters. In verse 16 and 17, here's what he says. Instead of thy fathers shall be thy children, whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. This church is a great heritage. I remember preaching in that old building, worshiping with you. Man of God being faithful all these years. That's amazing within itself. Amen. But don't live so far back there that you forget. Amen. Instead of thy father shall be thy children, whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. It's not over with yet. Her advancement matters. Her children are princes. Her cause in verse 17 is praised. I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. Amen. The church as a whole has lived too long on the defensive side. We've lost the reality of the offense, the offense that we are to be involved in. As the people of God. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But I'm telling you, there seems to be no offensive attack upon those gates. 
But I'm glad, thank God, that the church and its purpose can move us. Now, I'm going to tell you something now. We were talking a little bit at lunch today. And we're dealing with a generation that's got a lot of baggage. A lot of baggage. Preacher ain't careful. He'll be intimidated by visiting preachers. And other people coming to the church when he tries to reach people with the gospel in this generation. Because they look rough. Because sin's rough on people. It's rough on me. Amen. But we've got a world that's hurting, needing God. Amen. We have a purpose that still rules and reigns in this world we live in. And the only hope they have is the gospel that you and I carry. Amen. That should move us. I'm going to tell you something. I might could give you a football and you could run the 100 yard dash in nine seconds flat, go through college and play ball for some great team. But I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be a day when they're going to send you to the house. And your name will drift off into the record books of the past. They're done with you. You have no, no value to them. You do, that th- you do that same thing on the job. Oh, I know. Mo, I got a good, I got a good job. Got a good company. You wait till you get about 65. You moving a little slower. Don't have the strength and stamina that you once had. They'll be looking for you to move on. Because they're done with you. But isn't it a blessing? Isn't it a blessing to know that because you're the bride, that God has given you a cause and a purpose that age and physical strength and the frailties of the flesh can never affect. Amen. I may not be able to preach. I may not be able to sing. Amen. But that doesn't mean I'm done. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God. God has a reason, amen, for us to be here. A purpose, amen, that is eternal. Amen. What we are doing has eternal value. And I'm telling you, young men on this front row, that ought to move you more than anything else in life. You ought to dive in head first, amen, and serve God with all of your might. Serve the Lord with all of your strength and let the will of God be perfected in your life. The way that happens is when you and I are moved by something that really matters. What is really in your hearts? What do people hear from you? What are you talking about? What are you making happen in your life? What do you hasten to? Hurry up, honey. I got to do this. I got to do that. You come in the church. What's the topic of your conversation? Politics, world situations, condition of society, hunting trip. And all that stuff manipulates our life, and I understand that. But it really don't matter. But it moves us. What I'm talking to you about, praise God, will stir you and excite you. And I promise you tonight, it matters. What matters? The bridegroom matters. 
And the bride matters. I'm indicting. That's a pretty good word we never use. I'm indicting tonight. I'm just just turbulent with the Stirred, amen. Overwhelmed in my soul. I'm glad, thank God, it won't vanish tomorrow. It can be real tomorrow as well. Amen. Bless the Lord for his goodness. Preacher, I'm done. Amen. Hallelujah.